Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. He's like, ugh, my dad was on reality TV. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, even, even when he watched it, uh, when it came out on Netflix a few months ago, I'm like, so what do you think? He goes, it's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> So Claire, it's time to take a virtual trip back to 2009. You and I were still just youthful college students who hadn't yet been swept up into Bachelor Nation's inescapable pull. Although we did have some of the ill-advised layers and flat iron side bangs as some of the contestants. And a handsome single dad was learning just how fickle reality TV fame can be. Yes, that's right. We are revisiting Jason Mesnick's season this week for The Bachelor, the greatest seasons ever. Jason, of course, the first and to our knowledge only Jewish bachelor. He was also the first but far from only bachelor to dump his winner and then pursue his runner-up for the cameras. God knows how many of the bachelors did that off camera. Um, But I think we can safely call him a real groundbreaker. Absolutely. So before we kind of dive into this week, we do have a few calls to action for any of you who are looking for ways to pitch in this week. Uh, We wanted to focus this week on mental health organizations because as the pandemic is ongoing, it's also having a lot of negative impacts on people's mental health as people are forced to either go to work and feel at risk or Um, isolate and mental health issues as well as the negative health outcomes of the pandemic do tend to disproportionately affect uh, communities of color. Yes. So we have a couple organizations that we are recommending. One is the Loveland Foundation Therapy Fund, which was established by Rachel Cargill in 2018. Uh, The Loveland Foundation works to bring opportunity and healing to communities of color, especially Black women and girls. Um, And so your donation goes to help provide therapy sessions for Black women and girls. The link to donate will be in our show notes. The other org we wanted to highlight is the National Queer and Trans Therapists of Color Network, uh, which is an organization that seeks to advance healing justice by transforming mental health for queer and trans people of color. And the link to donate to that organization will also be in our show notes. So with that, let's dive into Jason Mesnick's season, which is one of the few seasons from before when I began watching it regularly that I had seen before. At some point, they 
released it on some streaming format. I believe that it might still be on Netflix, but I yeah, think, it's I one of so, those yeah. one of those series um, that actually one of those seasons that did actually uh, make the rounds even though neither of us were watching at the time that it first aired. Yeah, and it's a classic. I mean, it's 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 the Sleepless in Seattle season, you know, oh. a, a handsome loving Seattle single dad lives on the water, you know, in an adorable little uh, cottage um, and becomes many... America's most hated man. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all, everyone knows that Tom Hanks did a real about <laughs> face and became the most hated man in America. Um, it really, I mean, I never saw Deanna's season, but it seems like Jason had a whole lot of goodwill and then he became the pioneer of the switcheroo and, uh, I guess, took Brad Womack's place as the most hated man in America? I mean, I think it should say something to ABC and to future potential bachelors that, like, The Bachelor tends to pretty consistently become the most hated man in America (laughs) by Chris Harrison's own admission. That seems troubling to me. Um, But in Jason's case, you know, I'm sure if I had watched it in real time, I would have been... Angry. Pretty angry, displeased. By the time you and I watched it, I think he had already like had a child with Molly. So there was a sense going into it that like everything worked out for the best that allowed us to view it in a more charitable light. And viewed in this way, Jason seems like such a lovely guy. You know, he makes a bad mistake that really hurts someone, but he seems like he's very genuine the women that he chooses seem lovely he seems like a good judge of character he seems like he cares about his son and he seems like more so than most bachelors really really invested in falling in love with someone and having a a partnership with them and I mean it's very likable it's so likable and I completely see why he was so desired by so many women. He sort of has that, he has that attainable hot quality that we've spoken about before. You know, when we talk about someone like Wells, who goes and becomes basically like the most desired man on the beach in paradise. I feel like Jason is sort of a version of that. Like he's just like unusually sweet, caring man that you like might meet at a bar and feel really lucky if he asked you out. And that is very, very appealing to watch, especially because so many of these dudes are these like hot in a in a way that I just don't relate to like the Brad Womack sort of like so (laughs) sexy meatheads type of thing and Jason is definitely not that he's a little bit softer he also as as Clara mentioned before is the was the first and I I believe still only Jewish bachelor Um, of course Andy Dorfman who was the bachelorette is Jewish, but there have only been two Jewish leads. And as a fellow Jew, that um, always endeared me to him a little bit as well. And this was just like such a specific era of bachelor time that sort of, I think, bled into when you and I started watching the show. There was a lot of polyester satin, (laughs) a lot of dental hygienists, and this was still, you know, really on the cusp of like universal Botox. Yeah. Um, and my face is still pre-Botox. So when <laughs> so I look at these in. women, yeah, I'm like, oh, they're, they really are just like me. It feels relatable in a way that watching now does not as no. someone with 
like the opposite of veneers. I'm actually undergoing a, like a 17 part root canal right now. <laughs> um, and I have fine lines out the wazoo. So, um, so this is one of the later seasons that really feels quite relatable to me, which I love. Uh, the polyester satin, not so much. I never got into the shiny jewel tone going out top look, um, I mean- for which I'm grateful. I'm sure that I had one or two. Here's the thing. That kind of material is deeply unforgiving on a body that isn't extremely thin. It's not particularly flattering on anyone. And it But if you are curvy, it doesn't hug the right things. I mean, it's it doesn't necessarily fall gracefully. It uh it wrinkles. It wrinkles yes. really badly. It's a very very harsh look I feel like it can wash a lot of people out um so in a fashion sense not my favorite season um men's jeans also not a great time for men's jeans I was telling Emma earlier about how around this time I had to take my college boyfriend shopping for less voluminous jeans and I think a lot of girlfriends at the time were probably doing something similar because men's jeans have have tightened up a little bit and personally it's a look I prefer. Yeah. I mean, I was recently um, looking at old photos of my boyfriend with him, not, not like a creepy stalker um, <laughs> from Facebook from also around this time period. And he was commenting on his own jeans. I mean, they were just very like wide, but stayed the same width the entire way and like lightly bunched at the bottom. It, mm-hmm. there, it was not doing anything good for anyone is the point. And we're just glad for all men uh, and the straight women that are forced to be around them um, that things have, have improved. It also feels notable to mention, given the conversations we've been having um, on every one of our episodes this season, that Jason's season is still pretty overwhelmingly white, um, at mm-hmm. least, you know, in terms of like obvious racial markers um there i didn't see any black women i didn't either uh, i don't know if if there were any contestants that that just, didn't we just didn't see. make it on screen at all but um certainly all the women who are highlighted um and and most of the women that we saw in the group shots i mean it's a very white season um it was right, you know, much like Ali's season in the in the midst of this era of The Bachelor that had migrated away from even sort of token black contestants and contestants of color generally and pre-lawsuit, so right. pre the swing back. Um, and it's sad that we're even talking about swings when the swings have been so small. Um, it hardly feels like a great revolution has taken place. But um but this was in the, in the pits, I would say. Um, but uh, one other thing we should talk about before we get into the bits that were highlighted, of course, is that Jason was a single father. Um, and a lot of his son is on the show. We see a lot of Ty, who's three years old. And so cute. So cute. Um, ridiculously cute. Um, and so a, a big part of his narrative was, you know, finding a stepmom for his son, basically. Um, and I, you know, we see that later with, with Juan Pablo and with, with Emily, with Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jason is, uh, I think maybe the first one 
to to have that be a big part of his story as Bachelor. Um, oh yeah, I think they really sold him as like the hot single dad, and he must be fundamentally kind and good, and would never do such a thing as break a woman's heart because he has a son. Well, here's the thing: if you're a mom, all kinds of women are moms. But if you're a dad, then like, then you're good. You can you can easily not really be a dad. So if you choose to right. be around your son actively, then that means that you are kind and a good person. Give him all the gold stars. (laughs) If you are a man and you choose to parent your child, just give it up for the real heroes. You know what I mean? Oh, believe me. Hell Greg. I do. He's he's he does consistently every time we have a taping take Max on a two hour walk in the ninety degree heat. So well, that's you know gets a lot of laurels in this household. Yeah, Um, I'll I'll send him a rose. (laughs) So uh, so let's get it. They they highlight more of the characters, um, which I appreciate. Yeah, we get I think like seven women. We get pretty substantial looks at, which is great because. I, I like to some variety, you know, let's, let's mix up, let's mix up who we're talking about. So first uh, we get a, a look at Lauren, who I had completely forgotten about. Me too. Um, she wears a silk leopard maxi dress on her entrance. It's a very 2020 look. Yeah. It's a very, like, I got to rent the runway outfit for my friends, you know, wedding i mean that's yeah. a lot of look for a wedding but i it's, think it's she like would. a you're going to an after work cocktail event or something it is a gown though that's true i don't know it's it's <laughs> you're casual going to- by the you know standards of this show like there are no sequins <laughs> and there's no satin and it's yeah. not a jewel tone so it to me i was like wow <laughs> the bold fashion choice choices just keep coming um, she's also a middle school government teacher, and she does quiz Jason on the three branches of government, which I appreciated. Yeah, I mean, it's sad how little information you have to have to to get praised, but he do, he can name all three branches of government. I'm just going to say, there are a lot of people on and off this show who would not be able to do that. That's, and you know what, that's, I understand that. But Jason doesn't seem like someone who's been lacking in educational opportunities. So <laughs> That's true. I think he should know. But uh, this, of course, is just a setup also for Jason to be like, oh, if I were in her class, I wouldn't be able to concentrate because she's a hot, hot teacher, which. Well, luckily, um, her <laughs> students are children, not adult men she's trying to date. So, Well, yes. Um Although, you know, some, uh, some teachers also teach adults and they shouldn't, they shouldn't be uh, sexualized either, quite frankly. Um, so she, her thing is that she's very confident and loves attention. Um, and so she and Jason have this dynamic where at first he's really struck by how beautiful and confident she is. Um, she thinks she's getting the first impression rose and then he offers her because it's her birthday, the day of the limo exits, he offers her cream puffs with a candle in it. And she's a bit let down. She knew she was going to get the first impression rose, not what she was expecting. This is sort of her dynamic is like, she thinks that he's going to give her a rose. And then she's like, you need to give me the rose. And then he doesn't. And she's like, why didn't you give me the rose? And at first he seems to find her beauty and confidence alluring. And then very quickly, he's like, 
I feel like she needs too much attention. More attention than I would like to give her. Well, she also just does that thing that young women who are trying to, you know, assert their confidence and independence and stand up for themselves in a world that largely tells young women that their voices don't matter and that they should cave to the desires of the men around them. Um, but she's trying to work that out. And her answer is like, I'm just going to come in guns blazing and tell him everything I want and expect him to give it to me just because I said, this is what I want. Um, and that's not really how relationships work. Like you deserve to get your needs met, but also there's context to those needs and there's context to building a relationship. And when you've just met someone and they are on a show to date everyone, not just you, like you just saying, I'm going to be really pissed at you if you don't give me the rose is not really a way to build a partnership. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm familiar with the impulse from my own, my own misspent youth of <laughs> attempting very badly to date, which is like, well, my thing is that I'm not, you know, a wilting flower. I'm, I say what I mean and I say what I want and I'm not going to, you know, cozy up to him. He has to like that I'm bossy and you just kind of can come off as kind of, a self-absorbed like dick a little bit <laughs> if you do that like I did took me uh some time to learn that maybe I'm still learning it um but it's like the whole like oh I'm being super bossy but I'm I'm a hot girl so it's cute you know um and it doesn't tend to work out well on The Bachelor because there are a lot of hot women and uh many of them are not uh sort of blackmailing emotionally blackmailing the lead to do stuff for them so yeah. it usually doesn't go well it doesn't um, work for her um i mean she's very domineering even with their first kiss and then that's sort of like the last we see of her on this special so i guess you know things didn't go well for her from there the next woman that we get a little spotlight on is shannon who i had forgotten about but is so wonderfully epic like she's just a kooky messy character that we do not see on the show anymore she also happens to be a dental hygienist it i mean it's just perfect oh yeah teeth are very important to her um and also every single available fact about jason and his family um is very important to her which she gleaned <laughs> by looking at his MySpace page. <laughs> Which we know because she told him, Jason, I've been looking at your MySpace page. <laughs> like, okay, this really struck me because maybe, you know, this was sort of maybe at the very beginning of when like online dating was really going more mainstream. I don't know when OkCupid was created, but I know by like 2012, like everyone in New York was online dating. Um, so this was a few years earlier, but like, when you are savvy and you date people and you look them up on the internet, you don't then just like reveal every bit of information that you have found out about them on the date as though you were like answering questions to a test. You use that information to stealth guide the conversation in ways that you know you will be able to connect with that person. I mean, come on, it is like <laughs> accepted that we all stalk each other on the internet but like, it's not a thing that you need to explicitly state on a first date. Yeah. I mean, 
the thing that Shannon does um, is another move I'm familiar with, which is <laughs> I'm going to just admit to the thing I did that I probably shouldn't admit to, or maybe even have done. And then I'm going to admit to it. Then I'm going to acknowledge that it's weird that I did that. And the combination <laughs> of my honesty and my self-critique will, um, will be charming and endearing and he'll love it. So if I say, oh, I've been looking at your MySpace page, uh, your brother's also dating someone named Shannon, right? That's so crazy. And then your other brother is named, I'm not a stalker. I'm totally not a stalker. I know I sound like a stalker, but I am not a stalker. It's just that I know every single fact about you that's publicly available anywhere on the internet. <laughs> We're in love. Jason, you have beautiful teeth. You know, it's just, it's a lot. And I think that um, it is a kind of character that we don't see very often anymore, perhaps because everyone is so conscious of how visible they will be and of how visible they are in daily life compared to 2009, that people are just much more conscious about presenting themselves in a way that will play well. And so even yeah. our villains tend to be messy only in one way instead of like five different ways like our our messy people on the old version of the bachelor right her her like sort of iconic scene is is when she starts crying telling jason how she's not gonna let him let her go and he has to believe in her and she wants to be a mother and she wants to meet ty and then she wipes her snot and says, this is me, this is just me, I'm just picking my nose, and then gets napkins stuck all over her lips in her lip gloss, and then goes in for the kiss. I mean, it's just a complete mess. And someone who is used to seeing images of themselves reflected back at them constantly, just like probably isn't gonna do this. Yeah, and I really feel for characters, I mean, people, um, for people who end up being portrayed as characters like Shannon. I know. Um, because I, especially like when we were looking back, um, I'm, she came off as quite um, and messy at the time, but like looking back from a world in which we've rapidly all gotten so much more groomed and calculated about our public appearances to be like, oh, I just went out there and didn't, guard myself at all in all of those ways and now that footage lives on and the world has gotten even more intensely scrutinizing of that um that sucks i hope that we didn't get an update with either shannon or lauren i hope we they're both, both doing hope, well yeah we we really hope that shannon especially is like living her best life yes i hope she found someone with beautiful teeth um because i i think she seems like someone ill-suited to thrive on the bachelor but seems like a nice person totally decent and, human yeah so the the last non-final four uh person that we check in on is stephanie um who was a memorable character i did remember stephanie um who was also a single parent um and a widow so her husband was actually in a plane crash when her daughter was 10 years old can't even begin it's to imagine just awful so she has a daughter who's around the same age as Ty, um, and she's decided to finally sort of start looking for a partner again. And she and Jason, you know, connect. They both seem like incredibly kind people who have three-year-olds they adore, so they have a lot in common. Um, he takes her 
on a one-on-one date on her daughter's birthday and surprises her by having her daughter Sophia join them. Um, it was so pure. This moment was so pure and adorable. And Stephanie reacts in such a genuine and emotional way. Like it really, oh, I, re- I really um, loved watching it back. I cried. I'm not ashamed. Oh, you shouldn't be. <laughs> um, but eventually, you know, Jason sends Stephanie home. It doesn't work out. Um, and we check in with her. She lives in Alabama. Um, her daughter is 15 now. Um, and so we, we hear from her and her daughter. Um, it's very sweet. Her daughter clearly is very attached to her. She is sort of bragging about how her mom was so classy and everyone on the show loved her, which seems to be true. Um, it seems like she's very well liked, um, by the other women as well as Jason. And, uh, Sophia has a crush on Ty from afar, which when I was 15, I can't imagine anyone outside of my best friend knowing that I had a crush on anyone. That was like a state secret. Um, and I just love the openness. Oh, I love the courage. She's like, incredible. Oh, well, well, it's out there. Yep. I think he's cute. I think he's cute. It's adorable. You know, I reached out to him. We're gonna Snapchat. Like I, I was just, I'm obsessed with the teens. They're so good. It made me wish that I could go back and and do fifteen with a little more, a little more gumption, you know. Oh, I was gonna say gumption. <laughs> yeah. Wow, look at us on the same wavelength. In my head, yeah. I was literally like, gumption. Like, look <laughs> at that, right in my mind, Claire. Stephanie is great, and she has a very distinctive look. So when she came on camera, I was like, oh, I remember Stephanie. She has like dramatic eyebrows she wears very vivid makeup um very you know lots of flair she on her jeans like lots of ruffles kind of from a different era and it was funny seeing her and her daughter next to each other because stephanie still looks like she's from a different era but her daughter is like clearly from 2020 yeah and they're yeah and they look very similar um it's very strong cute. family resemblance adorable um, so that brings us to the final four and it's a fun final four. I, I was a fan of, of these women. It's Jillian, uh, later the bachelorette, uh, Melissa, Molly, and Naomi. So Naomi is a flight attendant. She is an early front runner. Um, she's very fun. She likes adventure. They go rock climbing but um, Jason is concerned that she isn't ready for the domestic life. She loves traveling. She loves adventure. Does she really want to, uh, you know, be at home playing mommy all the time? Um, And she insists that she is ready for that, but it's clear that that's kind of a doubt that he has percolating. Um, I also want to note that Naomi's look is just very of its moment it like viscerally threw me back into yeah you're you're very you were very struck by naomi's whole vibe because it's like it's the look that at its time was sort of a non-look like if you looked at her then you wouldn't be like oh she's very distinctively styled because she had she just looks like yeah generically well-dressed generic hot girl yeah she's got long flat ironed hair with long flat ironed side bangs hoop earring she wears at one point like a jersey long drapey cardigan 
and with a tank, which was like such a basic ubiquitous look. She always has a neutral lip and smoky eye. Like it's a look that wouldn't have stood out at all at the time, but now it just looks so perfectly of its moment. Um, gorgeous, obviously. And then she has the opposite of a generic hometown. Oh my goodness. Chris calls her hometown one of the weirdest in Bachelor history, which like, sure. Um, I remember seeing this date for the first time and being like half totally delighted by it uh, and half a little bit horrified um, for reasons that we'll get into. Um, But the first part, like Naomi, you know, sort of seems to know that her family's like a little bit out there. She she gives Jason a heads up, says like, my family's very interesting. And upon arrival, they do, they all hula hoop together, um, which her family's very good at, minus her father. And Jason's very bad at. And it her mom practice. is like, oh yeah, it does. Look, hula hooping is hard. Her mom also like immediately launches into some like wacky conversations about, reincarnation and being truth seekers and being like and your past lives and who you might have been I mean and this part I kind of just loved like it was amazing I love that she first of all she's like I think that we are in the same soul family and she's like I think Jason had at least one past lifetime as a mom and I was like maybe you're picking up on the fact that he is a dad so it's like the parenting the parenting energy it's like where is it coming from <laughs> um and her her mom has arranged for a special uh ceremony because she recently i guess killed a out do- an about, innocent dove with her car dove. no the you dove would argue flew that the into dove, the car the dove committed suicide by way of her windshield Yes. Um, And so it's time for them to take the frozen dove that she has preserved um, and bury it so that Jason can give a eulogy. And I think they do need to know uh, whether Jason can rise to this kind of occasion before welcoming him into the family. And Um, he does. And he, he does. He, and he, you know, makes it seem like he's totally cool with what's happening. And I hope that that is the case because I think I think he should have been grateful to have such an unusual thing to do. You know, you go to all these, you go to all these hometowns, and you're like sitting on people's couches and having iced tea and being like, "Oh well, what I really loved about your daughter was uh, when uh, we met, and she smiled, and she has such a beautiful smile." And they're like, "Yeah, she sure does." You know, this is interesting. This is something out of the ordinary. Um, unfortunately, the dove is buried in a very shallow grave. I would say more of like a depression in the ground. Um, It's not the kind of grave that's gonna stand the test of time. So uh, I don't think that the dove is still there. Um, If if I were there, I would have maybe suggested digging a little deeper. Um, And so this is when Naomi goes home. Yes, she does. What they leave out is the fact that Naomi's family is like extremely, extremely Christian, which is the part um, of the date that I remember making me feel sort of weird, given that we know Jason is Jewish. There's like some Bible lessons, some like very borderline proselytizing (laughs) pro-Jesus thing. So yeah, that part was a little more off-putting you have to accept jesus into your heart you know (laughs) 
So this brings us to Jillian, uh, who is Canadian and an interior designer and a future bachelorette. Um, Which makes so much sense. She's just extremely charming, extremely delightful, good-natured, seems to be well-liked, has just a wonderfully Canadian accent. I mean, I'm on board with Jillian. It's really charming. She... Um, the first night gets his attention by cooking a bunch of hot dogs in order to find out what condiment he'll put on um, because it's sort of, you know, she has a theory. She's like, a guy who puts ketchup on his hot dog is like a good guy. It's like a really solid guy. And then a guy who puts mustard on his hot dog is like a really good guy. And I was like, which kind of condiment symbolizes like, don't marry this guy because they all seemed pretty positive to me. Um, but she was looking for mustard and Jason does put mustard on his hot dog. So success. He passed. He passed. Um, apparently she no longer eats hot dogs. We find out later. Um, she's now vegan. <laughs> fair enough. Um, and, uh, but she has like a heavy component to her story as well. She tells Jason about her mom's mental health issues that she had really severe depression for a long time. Um, and the impact that that had on, on her kids and, uh, and the rest of their connection that we see is mostly about them making out. So just a real grab bag of of traits, you know, just, just a real, uh, seamless transition (laughs) there. Yeah. The transitions, even in the original season, can sometimes seem pretty abrupt, but it's even harder to when it's like go a between, weird like, my mom clips. was... Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But her, uh, her charisma still really comes through. Um, I did she notice... she actually does get sent home number three. She's, she's the third place. Yes. And, and I wondered on, on that day, fateful day, when she was sent home, she was the only one not wearing a strapless satin cocktail dress so i think maybe she just had to go on fashion alone it makes you think that she's not taking it seriously you know (laughs) like don't you want to really stand out for jason um and we check in with jillian she now lives in british columbia with her partner um they're actually engaged and were supposed to get married this summer but it has been postponed because of the pandemic um but they do have two adorable kids that we got to meet um two extremely precious kids i think her daughter was wearing a matching outfit with her oh i didn't even notice that (laughs) super cute really cute jillian uh has incredible style and like just general aesthetics because she does a lot of home design and HGTV stuff, um, Mm -hmm. which really comes across in her stunning all white and gold uh, dining room that we see behind her, which is definitely- honestly. It makes me anxious. Don't they ever spill anything? Only only rich people can have all white homes, Claire. (laughs) It's a flex. Um, So then we come to the top two. Melissa is a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. So she's, I think, 24 at the time um, or around there. And she's like, I'm ready to like move from my swing and single days as a cheerleader to like being a teacher, being a mom. Um, And 
she does get to meet Ty before anyone else. She gets to peek in on him sleeping. And uh, she's like, this is it. You know, I've always been heartbroken in relationships, but like, I'm ready, ready-made family. I'm going to be Melissa Mesnick. Um, and then there's Molly, who also I think is around 24. Yeah, I believe she's 24. Um, she and Jason also have like a very instant attraction. There's a lot of a lot of kissing, which they both seem very into. Always a good sign at the beginning of a relationship. <laughs> um, and Jason's Jason, I think that the difference between the two um, on on look back is that. Jason seems to be more unsure if Molly is really ready to date a single dad, someone who's been divorced, if she's ready to really like take on uh, being a stepmom. I mean, she says that she's excited to do that and she, you know, is into that role. Um, And she's like the same age as Melissa. So I'm not exactly clear on why he seems to think that Melissa's definitely ready and Molly's probably not, but that seems to sort of be their, their sticking point. Molly also hands the show some like pretty incredible foreshadowing. Um, At one point on a date, she literally asks Jason if he's scared that he's going to pick the wrong person and then regret his choice. It's like Molly knew. Yeah, she knew. Honestly, I think Molly like manifested this and we'll <laughs> we'll continue to discuss that. Um and Jason really seems to feel very strongly for both of them. It you know, the Molly and Melissa like who's ready to be a mom thing, which I remember being a stronger component of the whole season, um was him not feeling like maybe Molly was ready for that. You're in Jason's position. Everyone is telling you they're ready to be a mom. Um because they're caught up in what they have with you. They want to keep you around. They don't want to be sent home, even if it's not a conscious thing. Right. So you end up hearing from all of these women that they are really ready, but you're like, are you? I don't think you, you really know. And do I want to pick the woman who says that she's ready, but like once we get out into the real world, right? he doesn't like what what actually that entails. And so you see him trying to assess like, Molly says she's ready, but she's so like, she seems so, so full of youthful, like adventurousness and so like vivacious and maybe wouldn't she rather like have more of a youthful dating life and and not suddenly be a mom. Whereas Melissa is like, I don't know, she's going to be a teacher. Clearly she knows a little bit about kids. Like she has these firm plans for her motherhood. You know, you start, he's got to be like finding these little clues that one of them really means it. And it seems like maybe that gets in his head a little bit. Hard to say. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good assessment of it. Um, and, and we see this tension kind of continue to play out. By the, t- by the time it comes down to the final two, Jason is like fully not okay. He's, he's crying to his mother, Irene, who's, seems lovely and is like i cannot let molly go i will never let melissa go and his mom's like i mean you have to like you gotta send someone home sorry sweetie (laughs) how this works he does seem genuinely really 
conflicted in a way that sometimes, you know, they're kind of playing of being conflicted. Sometimes they're conflicted, but more in a Brad Womack sense of like, I know I have to pick one, but maybe I'd rather pick neither. (laughs) (laughs) He just seems conflicted in a sense that's like, I feel like either would be a really choice that would make me really happy, but then knowing the other person is gone will ruin it. You know, like he's like, who can I, who can I stand to break up with? And he feels like neither of them. So eventually he makes a choice, which is what Chris Harrison dubs the most chaotic gut-wrenching disaster in Bachelor history. Um, I beg to differ, but maybe <laughs> up to this point. So uh, she, Molly's first out of the limo in a purple satin gown. Of course. Um, and he tells her, you know, you're amazing in every way possible. Absolutely stunning and amazing. And I don't know how I could ever let you go, but I have to. And she's clearly very shocked. She just sort of shakes her head. Uh, And then repeatedly over the course of her entire exit, she says very confidently, I think you've made a mistake, a big one. I think you're making a huge mistake and you're going to end up hurt again. And he says, all I can say is that I think you're wrong. And she says, I hope I am. She seems so certain and says it so many times. It really stands out to me. Uh, and not just because of what later <laughs> happens. I almost felt like it planted a seed um, that later when things didn't go well with Melissa, that he's had something to go back to and say, like, I was told that this was a mistake. And now everything that goes wrong, it, that seems more and more true. That's how I would feel if yeah. I were Jason. I mean, but we we see that after Molly leaves, Jason just like fully heaves with sobs over the balcony which, of course, becomes known as the Mesnick. Um, And then he goes and proposes to Melissa, who shows up in a butter yellow dress with just, like, a big bejeweled chest plate, another dress that really looks like someone wore it to prom or homecoming. It's funny how, like, I'm sure that prom dresses don't look like that now but the way prom dresses looked when I was a teenager will forever be prom dresses to me that's that's those are the rules and that looked like a yeah that's the rules it's our point of view it's our show sorry yeah (laughs) and so he proposes to Melissa she's thrilled uh Ty comes out in his little tux to so cute greet to them he runs to them and Melissa and Jason crouch down to hug him and he tries clearly to just leap past Melissa into Jason's arms which fair enough he he doesn't really know her (laughs) yeah um but Melissa and Jason and Ty are all for their own reasons super happy at this point and it's it's an adorable scene yeah they jump in the pool together it looks very fun then we cut to Chris and he's like normally this is where I would tell you that Melissa and Jason are still blissfully in love and I was like wait sir absolutely false this is normally where you'd say uh they dated for a couple months and then it didn't work out yeah there's only one bachelor where you would then tell us Melissa and Jason are still blissfully in love or you know whoever only once you're more likely to say what actually did happen which was well he dumped her and is now married to and has a child with the runner-up right which that has, like, happened, has twice. happened twice <laughs> so i mean you can keep trying to sell the fantasy that the bachelor t- tends to end up happy with the person they pick but i think we all know by now that that is a very unlikely outcome um and so we have to watch the actual happening of the switcheroo 
which takes place, uh, unlike the ensuing ones, um, at a pre-taped after the final rose without an audience. It's just Jason, Chris on a soundstage. Awkward um, vibes. Awkward. Like Chris is like, hey man, what's up? Kind of in a sort of mischievous way. And Jason looks like he just got caught doing something really embarrassing and has been hauled into the principal's office. <laughs> like he looks like cowed. Um, which of course, yeah. like he he wants to do something that's never been happened before, and they and he knows insisted that he hated. do it on camera. Yeah. yeah, which he clearly didn't want to do this on camera, and um, was persuaded to do so. Yeah, so he says, you know, I Melissa's great, but we just aren't right for each other. And over the last few weeks, I just haven't been able to stop thinking about Molly, and you know, I need to end my relationship with Melissa. Um, and then they bring Melissa out. It's clear that she knows something is up and we've learned over the years that like, it was very clear they had been having problems. She kind of knew that their relationship was going to end uh, that night. But what she didn't know was that Molly was part of the catalyst for that and that he wanted Molly back. And that is um, understandably why she gets really fucking pissed off and very hurt. Yeah, I mean, she comes out and he says, well, as you know, I don't think we're right for each other. We've been talking about it. You know, the chemistry has been different since we got off the show. And she says, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't believe you. I think something has happened and you're not being honest with me. And he says, well, I was trying to put Molly out of my mind, but I couldn't. I just, but I tried, I tried to stop thinking about her. And she says, because you chose Melissa, but you don't want to fight for Melissa. Um, another of the cruel things about taping this is that now they've just, she's, she's really in this like painful, painful moment. And all of the embarrassing things that you say during a breakup being <laughs> just like taped and broadcast and then but it's not as brutal forever. as uh ari and Becca, not quite not so. quite as brutal a little more edited yeah she's like you're such a bastard i trusted you with everything um you took i wanted to get engaged once in my life and be proposed to once and you took that from me it's brutal for better for worse for worse mostly this is like a classic bachelor scene i mean they, it's it's re-aired you know sometimes when they're doing roundups so like it, it was pretty familiar to me but yeah. all never fun to watch like it's it's hard to to see um how how hurt she is i also found it notable that they literally had a limo at the soundstage entrance waiting to take her away and they like still made melissa have to do a weepy limo exit interview which just seems like a real indignity it absolutely does like it's kind of fucked up um, we get a quick check-in with Melissa from her home in Dallas. She's still never watched the season, which fair enough. Um, and she reveals that she'd actually heard from Jillian during the time that she was with Jason, that Jason had talked to Molly, um, on the phone one time and he, she brought it up to him and he was like, yeah, I just was given her number to check up on her and make sure she was okay. And then sort of dropped it. Um, you know, she clearly is trying to spin it like she doesn't care at all, but like it does seem like she still doesn't have the best feelings about Jason. I don't know. Maybe I was reading into things, um, but she seems really happy. Like 
She has three kids, lives in Dallas. She's married to a guy that she dated before Jason. Her oldest kid is nine. So she like got engaged and pregnant uh, pretty soon after uh, she and Jason broke up. Yeah, she she really moved on with expediency, which, and she mentions this, like, it's easier to move on when you're really pissed. And like, <laughs> she was really pissed at Jason, although she seems happy now. It's clear that she was angry enough at the time that some of that still definitely colors her feelings about, about Jason, understandably. Um, but she's like, yeah, I don't think that my husband and I would have worked things out when we got back together if it weren't for what I learned being on the show about myself and about relationships. So then we cut to Molly coming out on the soundstage. And it's pretty obvious that she believes that she's there to like get closure with Jason, set herself up for, you know, that heartbroken, but ready to find love arc that, that you often see on the bachelorette. Um, She's like, you know, yes, of course. Those feelings don't just disappear, but I just need Jason to tell me that, like, it wasn't me so I can get that closure and just move on with my life. Of course, that's not what happens. Right. Um, So Jason comes out and they hug in a way that if you were happily engaged to Melissa, I'm just going to say probably would not have been the way that they hugged. Agree. Very very affectionate, uh, cozy hug. Um, And so they sit down to begin to have the conversation that usually... Um, they might have at After the Final Rose where she just wants a couple answers. She's like, when did you know that it really wasn't me? Which is impossible for him to answer because he did not know that and he continues to not know that. (laughs) Um, So he says, you know, what you need to know is that Melissa was out here earlier and I ended things with her because I haven't been able to stop thinking about you. My heart hasn't let go. My head hasn't let go. My gut hasn't let go. And I mean, when you're expecting to hear like, I can't tell you when I didn't know, but I, I did know for sure that it was Melissa and I am sorry that I, instead he's saying, actually, I'm still in love with you. Like she just can't compute that kind of switch. Oh my gosh. Her facial expressions are incredible during this whole thing. She like, she keeps kind of looking over at Chris Harrison being like, are you, are you tricking me? Like what is (laughs) happening here? That would be so mean. She seems so confused. You know, at one point, she even after he said this, she's like, but what, what about Melissa? Like, she's so confused. Um, I love it. I also really loved that. And again, we're watching this, you know, knowing that things worked out well for them. But Jason's sort of like, I was hoping that maybe we could like go out for a coffee or grab a drink and it's just such a normal way to date someone so different from the context of the show that is such a thing about the switcheroo though which even you see a, a bit of it when hannah asked out tyler on after the final rose um that there is this very conscious shift from like we used to go on glamorous dates but now the bachelor is over and the person that i picked on the bachelor is in the past and now i'm just me i'm just a boy standing in front of a girl or vice versa asking you to go out for a coffee it's almost like a comically like low effort date in order to like juxtapose with like that flashy thing that just happened that you know, we're putting in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, and 
and she's like this at this point she almost like laughs like she seems so taken aback and confused um but very quickly you know she he's saying i'm still i am still in love with you um i want another chance what i did to melissa was horrible she has every right to be really angry at me and she is but i don't want to live my life with regrets i want to try this she very quickly it's clear like would rather do this than be the bachelorette like she seems really confused and really happy that that he wants her back i mean as she said he made a mistake and he yes. would find out <laughs> she knew and she manifested it it happened um she's like i need to know what happened and like have a lot of questions but like i would be lying if i said i wasn't really happy about this yeah it just i also love that chris is even like so where do we go from here and molly is just like laughing because she's so confused and she's like I don't know where we go from here. Um, but Chris is like, okay, let's put a bow on it. You guys are going to go out. <laughs> yeah. And and they kiss, which I had forgotten. So did I. Because I don't know why I had kind of internalized the memory of it as being a much more somber um, thing somber thing and end of molly is being much more reticent than she actually was obviously she's confused and she's not ready to be like we're engaged now or whatever but she's happy she's ready to kiss him on tv uh, they really go for it and a year and a half later there they are getting married so clearly a running start um to what is now a very you know successful marriage and they I mean have the least daughter. ABC could do is pay for their wedding honestly after I they got like dragged the, in the tabloids I feel like the least ABC could do is pay for their wedding after they got dragged in the tabloids and put some An sort of umbrella <laughs> over them because their wedding ends up being an outdoor wedding at which it begins pouring and, and like very windy like very not windy. just rain like Molly gusts looks of wind gorgeous and her beautiful hair it gets all wet um but she has the kind of personality I think that could pull that off I was saying to my husband like the anxiety that it gives me watching and the thought of how poorly I would react to that I'd probably cry exactly I'm like who wants to be married <laughs> to the girl who cries because her hair gets wet at the wedding it's better that we not go there yeah <laughs> Molly is like haha here I am being beautiful and wet out in the rain she's like I don't look like a drowned rat at all <laughs> I am still gorgeous it's I'm like it's that's frankly, what happens unfair. when you have a naturally good bone structure exactly so. yeah and you don't if, unlike me you're not drawing on your bone structure with makeup yeah, exactly um and so we check in with them uh from their home in Seattle both looking great uh, with their uh, their daughter, Riley. Um, and we learn that the very next day after their soundstage reunion, they're spending some time together in a secret hotel suite and they're at the pool and Jason slipped and cracked his knee open to the bone and had to be taken away in an ambulance while Molly hid in order to maintain the secrecy of the narrative. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, he shows the scar and everything. Like that injury, like seems to have been pretty gnarly. Yeah, I was really upset even hearing about it and I'm sorry for repeating it now. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, it sounds like he, he had uh, what he described as some instant karma um, from what <laughs> happened with Melissa. Um, 
but he also says, you know, I, I denied to Melissa that the issues we were having were related to Molly and that was, um, why she was mad. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, you have to appreciate when someone is just like, yeah, I get why this person was pissed at me and they had every right to be. And like, and yet in the end things, you know, worked out well for all of us. Like everyone is happy. So this kind of story just like feels okay on, you know, when you're looking back at it, it's like everyone ended up in relationships where they seem to be fulfilled and, and happy and have families and have gotten the things that, that they wanted out of their lives. And so, you know, you really can't be upset at any of it too, too badly. Yeah. I mean, it's like at a certain point, sometimes mistake, a, a mistake is made small or the show sets up a situation that's bad. And suddenly in order to do the right bigger thing, you have to do a really shitty thing and that's that's how human relationships often work out and yep. uh it's it's good to see everyone 11 years on doing, doing better well. much like i am also doing better than i was 11 years ago and so am i you know to see that god kind of yeah so. i mean my hair is much better same same i no longer <laughs> flat iron the shit out of my side bangs yeah i don't have side bangs which is probably the biggest improvement <laughs> of the last you know decade plus yeah growth we love to see it um and in a couple weeks i think uh we will be back with next season a modern classic which i think will be interesting for us because we did uh recap that season we do know quite a few people from the season so i'm actually i'm actually um excited to revisit it in all of its uh, joy and pain yeah so much joy and pain and i will be coming to you guys from a different apartment so everyone please send me good vibes for the move we're gonna take a quick break but when we get back we'll talk to jason mesnick the man the myth the legend himself. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about 
is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well balanced. I feel full after and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather 
front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article, that lovely chair out on my deck, article, our big console, article, I'm my bed frame, article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And now back to the show. So after watching last night's recap, there was no one we wanted to talk to more than Jason himself, who broke a number of boundaries as Bachelor, some more visible than others. And we wanted to talk to him about the whole situation. He was such a delight and we hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Jason, thank you so much for doing this with us from your closet. Yeah, right. It was real dedication. Yeah. <laughs> I learned it from my wife. <laughs> she does, she's, a, she's a radio host and she's been doing it from home in the same closet, which has got to be five by five or four by it's tiny. Okay. Wow. So she understands the plight of podcasters from home. Yeah. So yeah, we're <laughs> totally. kindred. Yeah, totally. Um, so did you watch the recap of your season last night? Well, I was in the same room with a bunch of friends and they made fun of me, if that's what you mean. <laughs> that's definitely what we mean. <laughs> that counts for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. What was it like to revisit it so many years later? Um, gosh, that's a good question. I mean, the things that always stuck out to me is one, how young we looked. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, for me, it's just really fun to see my son at that age. I mean, now he's 
15 and like wants very little to do with me so to have like <laughs> him be like you know he was like just under four and wanted me to be around all the time which i love yeah. um, that that was the best that was the most fun for me yeah it's scary to think about i have a an eight month old so i'm Every year that he remains interested in me sounds like a good <laughs> oh, one to me. God, the teenage year is terrifying. I mean, it's super fun because you have a different relationship with him, but I'd still pick the, you know, zero, <laughs> like my daughter's seven. The zero through seven is way cooler. Yeah, I, I did appreciate the in your check-in last night, you were like, yeah, Ty, Ty's upstairs playing video games. Like we're, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. <laughs> He would probably rather be his his mom. So we split up when he was a baby. His mom doesn't want him to be a part of anything anymore. So that's more of why than anything else. But realistically, I don't think he cared anyways. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm even, sure he's like, yeah, oh, my dad was on reality TV. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, even, even when he watched it uh, when it came out on Netflix a few months ago, I'm like, so what do you think? He goes, it's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I know it's not as cool as wow. like football or whatever, but whatever. <laughs> Look, you gotta, you just really have to respect the honesty of a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll He's reach born. an age where he understands that The Bachelor is basically sports in its own way. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah. He'll come yeah. around. Tonsil hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to go back a little bit um, to, to your journey on the show. Like, when were you first asked to be Bachelor and, and did it seem like a good idea at the time or were you pretty nervous? Well, I mean, because I did The Bachelor at first, and I actually applied, when I was applying for that, um, I was hoping to get on Survivor. So the Bachelor <laughs> thing was really just, uh, hey, so if anybody, Survivor producers, give me a call. Uh, <laughs> so I was actually trying to get on Survivor, and, I, actually, and uh, I sent it into these casting companies, and for the, this is for The Bachelorette, and you forget about it. And then a full year went by, and I got a voicemail, a full, again, it's a full year later, and it just kind of went pretty quick. So after the bachelorette experience, um, I remember I got into the limo after getting rejected. And I like I felt like I was kind of pulled in a lot of different directions by the producers. And I knew how the ending was going to go. And they weren't that truthful about it. So I got in the car and I like I kind of tossed the, the ring. And I was like, you guys are such liars. Like I knew she wasn't going to pick me. And so they're like, hold, hold on a second. Like let me, they gave me, the, the, they said, we got to give you the ring back because we want you to toss it again because we need the dramatic effect. I'm like, oh, I'm like, but why? <laughs> and they're like, well, because we think we want you to be the bachelor. So it was really almost immediate. Oh, wow. Like, I got in the car right away. And it definitely, it's not a decision that the producers for the bachelor get to make. It's ABC. I, I mean, I'm probably talking over a lot of people's heads here, but ABC is a television network get to pick who the bachelor is, not the bachelor people themselves. Right. Gotcha. So they were like laying, they were just laying the groundwork with you from the very first moment of your, of your post bachelorette life. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was starting then and there's a lot, I, I think it, it was in a weird time where, um, God, I'm probably open, spill the beans a little bit, but I'm not going to bring any names up, but like it was in a weird time where, um, they were considering other people obviously for the bachelor. And I kept on saying, you know, why haven't they made a decision yet? And as a network, ABC is always conscious of like their, I say their, their advertisers. Mm -hmm. And so because I had like a, like a Jewish background, they were saying like, we don't know if America's ready for that type of thing. And it's, and, and it kind of tails into what's happening now with Matt James, 
the new bachelor mm-hmm. like i would ask time and time again i'm like how come there's never been an african-american guy and it's the same kind of thing there it's not abc saying in my this is my opinion abc saying no 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 no, no. they're saying we don't know if america's ready for that type for that type of change in the world right so, you think they're just putting their business interests perhaps above uh the value of celebrating yeah totally kind of people yeah totally and yeah. for me like i know we did like you know personally like we filmed a bunch of like weird jewish type things because my family's jewish and like everything was cut out i'm like i'm like wait a second let's spin some dreidels oh okay <laughs> so this i i'm so glad you brought this up because i actually really wanted to talk about this I'm Jewish, so I feel like I've sort of just been very aware of Shalom! when, yeah, yeah, the tribe. We can connect yeah. on that, um, but just sort of like noted when there, because there haven't been, you know, I think you remain the only Jewish bachelor in the show's 18-year history. Andy Dorfman, yeah, bachelorette was Jewish, and then you know JP, I believe, is the only Jewish winner in the show's history. Yeah. Um, and I was interested, like it felt notable to me that it those sort of um, differences seem to often be kind of like papered over. Like if they didn't really pay attention, they could just imagine that like, that you were not raised Jewish and that you were, you know, from the heartland yeah. and were a Christian. Like, and, and I'm, did that feel intentional to you uh, in terms of the way it was edited? I think so. I mean, I think that, uh, granted, it's a long time ago and times, well, for sure times are changing now with what's going on in the world. And I yes. think like, I don't want to, point fingers at anybody because I don't think it's anybody I think it was just a business decision that was where things were at in the world at the time but I think for sure I mean I think about stuff from you know going back from the most recent filming of our wedding which was still a long time ago all the way through bachelor stuff with my family because I wouldn't say we're religious but the Jewish religion culture type stuff does come up every once in a while right and it completely was uh, taken out of that. Even we were even talking about, I think, breaking the glass at our wedding, and they're like, "Oh, you know, we don't know about that." And I'm like, "What? Wow, like, that's the cool like like Havanagila and breaking the glass. That's the cool stuff." You know? Yeah, I also feel like like lots of non-Jews want to break a glass because they, yeah. their wedding is just like a fun thing. It's or very a, cinematic. <laughs> or get in a chair and like get rid, you know, like yeah. raise the roof. Yeah, I so mean, I just think. I, I do like I, I don't want like I have a feeling like I could talk about this a lot because I do remember them again this was a lot of me saying hey like why haven't they made a decision on me being the bachelor because it was going on for months at a time and it, 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 these are conversations that go on every day with the production staff and that was one thing that really stuck out you know like it's not that like the owner of the bachelor is Jewish too Mike Fleiss like it's right. not about that it's about like, does, does the network TV world back in 2009 believe that the world is ready to, to talk about this stuff? And I just don't believe from what I got, they were ready to. And this, to me, like, I don't have a ton of Jewish friends. and doesn't make a difference if you're Jewish or not. But I also don't think you need to hide it. Well, right. Point. Exactly. I mean, and there are tons of American Jews who are not super observant, like, yeah. um, that way as well. But it's still it's a thing about me. Like if I was going to date someone, they would know that about me. Yeah. Um, And and you look at the cat and the casting definitely has changed too, especially like even at the, the photo of me and all the girls, which came up just like, I haven't seen it for 10 years, but it came, it's mostly just all white people. And now that like, obviously it's changing in a really good way where you're seeing all different shades of people, types of people from all over the world. And it's finally changing, but it may have had to, 
something like this in the world probably had to take place for it to really happen. Yeah. I mean, there was a lawsuit, right? And, and we didn't really see a change in casting until 2012 yeah. when there was a lawsuit. I mean, do you remember uh, after you were cast, um, any conversations about the women that they would cast? Like, was it discussed? Like, do you want to date women who are Jewish? Do you want to date women who are of different racial and ethnic backgrounds? Or did they kind of just present you with a group of women? With a group of women. I mean, they would ask like, what type of, well, they would say like, what, what type of look are you attracted to? Right? So they could say like, is a, you know, certain color eyes like hair color that type of thing but it's funny like I did so the year after me and after I'd been through everything and you become friends with so just so like your listeners know 95% of your experience as the bachelor is with the production team and not the girls right. right so my experience in my mind is not as much what people see on tv and more about what I experienced like flying places with producers and um but one of the Gosh, this was the season. I think it was the season after mine or two after mine. The, the guy's name was Jake Pavelka. He was a pilot. And so I was able to sit through the casting of the girls for him. So it was, he wasn't there. It was like all the, it was what I went through to be on the bachelorette. And you go through this whole, like, you know, they do blood tests and urine tests and background tests, all this stuff. And then if you make it far enough in that, that, that time, then they, you do an on-camera live test and you're, uh, in a small room like like this, like a closet with a camera for your first time and a producer, an audio person. And then if they like you, they push you out into this other giant hotel suite where there's like 20 producers watching you. And you walk out and you're like, holy crap, like where, where, where the hell am I? <laughs> and uh, so I was able to sit in that room as the girls were coming through. And um, I don't think it had anything to do with like race or anything, but what they were doing and really trying to figure out was like who would be good on camera and who uh, like who might be good for the next bachelorette the next season. They're all taking notes. And it's, so it's not just about who's going to be a match obviously for the guy or the bachelor or bachelorette. It's about who's going to make good TV. Like, like I remember, I think when I went in there first time, they're like, Hey buddy, take off your shirt. And I'm like, Whoa, this is not a topless thing. <laughs> Listen, it's shirtlessness is a very important component of meat oh, selection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try casting. I, I try to pull that, but nobody listens to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, did I wonder if they uh, did they make the women <laughs> take their shirts off? No, like, I, no. I mean, I, I would hope probably, they would do like, hey, do you have any stupid like stupid human tricks? You know, like so I could do all these weird tongue tricks, and so they like you have to. They're just trying to see how you respond in front, front of big groups because there's a lot of people yeah. who go on the show, they, get freeze, they freeze up on camera real quick. And yeah. they obviously, like, that's not good for the show. Even if Right, so they just want to kind of startle people and see, like, how they yeah. react, what their personality is. Yeah, Makes yeah, sense. totally. I, I wanted to ask you about the, the hometown date with Naomi, which obviously was notable for many reasons. But something that I remembered when I was, we were sort of looking back at recaps um, was that her father like pulled you aside for like a Bible lesson and was talking a lot about Jesus. Is that yeah. something that you remember? Yeah. And like, did your Judaism come up at all in that? Yeah, you know, kind of. Like, it's funny. It's so grand. You guys got to remember. It's a really long time ago for me. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. If you don't remember every detail, I, I this do is remember. A long like, time. 
I remember like her mom was really quirky, but really cool. Like, like, like oh, I know we're loving her mom. Like, I don't think her mom, like, I'm sure the producer said, hey, why don't we do this dove burial? I don't think it was her idea. <laughs> um, but, like, that whole day, like, I even remember we went horseback riding, and I fell off a horse. And I don't, you know, that whole day was, like, falling off a horse, burying a dove, talking <laughs> Christianity with, like, being a Jewish guy. Like, it was just a whirlwind. But I do remember coming out of it going, man, they're crazy but fun. Yeah. Yeah, that I was the sense that we got. Yeah. And there's no way, like, there's I mean, I wasn't there when like the production prep meeting was going on, but like, there's no way that she froze or put a dove in the freezer or refrigerator and said, let's have Jason help out with this thing. Well, Naomi didn't seem to think it was a normal thing her mom would do, which was a bit of a tell. She was yeah. like, mom, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. yeah. Can we save this for tonight at least? When nobody's <laughs> have you performed any bird funerals since, or was that really like a one and done situation? Yeah, I think it was pretty much one and done. I mean, I've tried, like, I've probably flushed a fish dead fish down the toilet but i think that's yeah. probably the extent to that's that's not my expertise yeah i mean you did a great job but no, understandable you. if if once is enough yeah um, yeah totally <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about um about the diversity issue on the show but one thing that we've been talking about throughout the season so we wanted to ask you about it is um that there's been this kind of grassroots push by Bachelor fans to ask the show to commit to more diversity in casting and behind the camera and more measures to kind of help um, contestants of color navigate um, the show. And uh, we're curious if that's something that you've uh, heard about at all and, and what your thoughts are. Um, I haven't heard about it. I mean, this is the first I'm hearing about it. Like I don't, I don't spend a lot of my time in the Bachelor world. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't surprise me with what's going on in the world. And I do, it's obviously about time. Like I'm probably as liberal as you get. So I think change in that way is awesome. Um, and I think because like, I mean, you're seeing the first, you know, African-American bachelor and it's like, I'm hearing rumors that I, I don't like Claire, Tasha, who's a, yeah. which I think if this would have happened a year ago, it may have been totally different. And so now maybe they're being, their hands being forced a little bit more. But maybe that's the good thing too, you know, but I think the bot at the end of the day, it's all about ratings. So I think if, and I don't know how that works. So if the ratings are great, then they're going to keep on going down it. But what if the ratings aren't good and it maybe it's not due to him and it's due to COVID or it's due to something else. It's all about how a big network gets paid and how they make their money off advertisers. Maybe they'll get different advertisers. I don't know. Yeah. I remember that being an issue with Rachel's season too, that the ratings were low and it's hard to even know because there was also a big scandal going on with Bachelor in Paradise at the time. There was a lot of stuff happening. It's hard to know if she was, you know, if that was the reason. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think what people also need to know is Bachelorette has lower ratings than The Bachelor just because of the time of season it's on. Bachelor's like primetime. It starts in January. It starts in January, February. It's like primetime. It's like cold outside. You don't need to go you to the beach. You have nothing else to do on a Monday yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. And then you go with summertime. It's like, I could watch The Bachelorette or I could go outside and fly a kite, you know, or do whatever people do. <laughs> go to the beach. I don't know why I said kite. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, you could literally go and do everything else. So the ratings are always lower. So it's hard to correlate. Like, I think that's a little trickier, but it will be interesting to see um, what happens in the future because obviously Matt's going to be the new Bachelor, but will, will that mean that you know, in the future, there's going to be a mixture of cultures as The Bachelor, or is they're going to do, hey, right. 
there's going to be a token person every once in a while, which would suck. But I think um, the hope obviously of these, of these fans and, and the hope of ours is that they use this opportunity to just kind of forge ahead and, and make the show just look a, a little bit more like the country um, yeah, and, totally. and hopefully do right by Matt James and by Tasha and by any contestants that yeah. come on the show. And I guess we will, we will see. And hopefully behind the camera too, like in terms of diversifying production, which, which seems like a really uh, That's how, that might be step. That might be even like, I guess if I look at the whole Bachelor world contestants and, production it's probably less diverse on the production side right i mean there's a there's a definitely like a very i would say very equal gender you know like mm -hmm. there's a lot of um diversity it, like if, if you look at it like that but it's very not very colorful as far as skin tones go yes that is that is what we've what we've heard and some mm -hmm. um you know people of color who worked on casting and stuff have spoken out so fingers crossed maybe that that pushes the show in the right direction. Um, and I guess time will tell on that yeah. front. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we already had to revisit this um, for the special. So we, we hate to bring it up again, but you were the first, uh, the first lead to decide that he made a mistake, ask for another chance with the runner up. It's now happened a couple more times. Um, I think more, bachelors are happily married to their runner-up than to the original person <laughs> that they picked. I'm curious if you have any like thoughts on why this is a thing that happens. Like it seems to be like a more common dynamic than a bachelor being like, I made a great choice the first time around and I'm, I'm happy. And mm. also hasn't seemed to happen with the bachelorettes. Yeah. They're smarter than we are. Um, I think there's, well, I think, well, speaking of that specifically, I think the type of person that they cast, and I think about this like often enough to be bachelorette is a very strong willed, like big personality, doesn't take crap from anybody type of person. Right. And it's the very opposite. The bachelor is like, typically it's kind of a softy. Right. And I would consider like, it's just like, Hey, you know, you host the conversations you don't reject the women too, like, you know, but they want the almost the opposite from the bachelorette. Um, so I think that might have something to do with it. And, and I will also say just from my point of view, like it is, it's a hard thing as you get to the end. Um, I, you know, Molly knows this too. Like I, I really am mine. It was leaning towards Melissa most of the way, but I think part of what the show does to you is it introduces you to somebody that's totally different than you would have ever expected to pick. And in your heart, you're like, well, that's destiny. They're totally different. Therefore we should get together. And then you spend two months or whatever amount of time together after the show. And you're like, Oh, maybe it wasn't destiny. Maybe I was just attracted to the new shiny object. Um, and I, and I wish more than anything that viewers could understand that the proposal is more like, Hey, can we take this to the next level? Like I know the ring is the, it symbolizes what the show is, but realistically you probably spend a total of 48 hours with the person you pick over a, a couple months. So I, I just wish, and, and granted when I went and I said this um, in another interview is that when I, at the end of my show, I went and I said, listen, I don't want to propose to anybody. I don't feel comfortable with it. I really like Melissa. I have met her parents. And they came down, the bug bosses all came down. They said, we've tried it before. It's not going to work that way. 
And so they really want you to pick somebody. And then granted, I probably could have stood my ground if I, like, I just didn't know it was a choice back then. And obviously things are different and they're much more okay with like going off script, you know, I mean, there's not an actual script, but going off the plan. Um, so that stuff is happening more and more and it's actually making for really good TV, I think. Um, so I guess in general, I think you just get, you get really sidetracked with, I mean, you're surrounded by smart, like I'm as a bachelor, smart, beautiful, um, engaging, like everything you ever want. And there's more than one of them and it's not super easy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you're not spending a lot of consecutive time with, with anyone. I I mean, the most time you'll spend with anybody is like, maybe if you go on a date, you'll get to spend a couple hours in the car with them on the way back without the cameras. But then that's also weird because you're sitting next to all these producers and you're like, can I hold her hand? Like, and they, any meaningful conversation, they're like, don't talk about anything like that. we got to do it on camera. Like, so it's just a much, it's a really cool, I don't want to make it sound like it's all, it's not all negative. It is a really cool experience and you meet all sorts of people. You get to see how they make a TV show, but it also is as the lead bachelor, bachelorette, it's really emotionally challenging. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think that's controversial to say, like it must really kind of fuck with your mind. It's oh, so, damn. I mean, did you watch Peter's season? I didn't watch it, but Molly told me about it. Yeah. Well, he was just like, seemed to really be sort of thrown by the expectations of what it means to be a person who's like on the show, taking it seriously. And ha- and he seemed to really absorb the pressure to like do, do the role correctly, which yeah. led him in like several wrong directions. But I'd say, let's say Peter picked a girl and stuck with it, right? People would think differently of him, right? Because he mm-hmm. kept, like my opinion of him and I, like I didn't watch his show, but I've seen highlights of stuff. He seems like a good guy. Like he doesn't yeah. seem like he's a complete jerk, right? He's not like the used car salesman type guy. Um, <laughs> no, I think he, he was genuinely confused. It's And it's really like, for me, I knew very early on that I had like, a, like in the first week, I knew who my top three were. And the Bachelor, their whole theory is, like you pick, you pick the top three and let us kind of play with the rest of the order mm-hmm. because they got to make it. You got to make a TV show, right? Like you can't. Like I'm, I'm surprised. Like if what happened with Claire is really true, that you know, there's a hundred people's jobs at stake, and like it's not just like, hey, we're stopping filming because ABC is paying the Bachelor millions of dollars every week, and it's it is a TV show, so we all have to be respectful of like people. Like, hey, the guy, the camera operator has two kids at home. And he's got to pay his bills too. So you can't just walk away, which, well, maybe you can, but like, I think it would be a big lawsuit. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, they, they have you sign a massive contract. Yeah. That's that, what we were wondering. Like how oh, yeah. on earth did they allow Claire to walk away? Unless they ended up seeing like, well, maybe this is an opportunity for us to create a lot so. of buzz and. I think there's that and I'm sure they're filming more stuff and maybe she's like, if she got paid something, they're taking some of that back, but it's really scary. I mean, that's why people would say with me and Molly, like, why weren't like you and Molly talking more? And I'm like, cause there's a $5 million contract on her head that if we got in trouble, I don't have 5 million. Like, Oh my God. I know. I know the owners of the ABC does, but like, I'm not going <laughs> to get in a battle with those guys. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny how at the time, you know, people are angry and they're like, how could he do that? But, you know, as time goes on, I think that 
people start to feel a respect that's like he did the thing that was difficult and at odds with what was expected and and that shows its own kind of character even though it's uh can be messy it can be oh, a messy process so, when you go off script so messy oh gosh yeah. that was so painful <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I don't want any of this on camera. And they're like, no, nope, that's not the way it works. So like, maybe Claire would be strong enough to say, uh, sorry, screw you guys. It's like, I'm really not coming out to anywhere you want. But for me, it was like, you know, there's that the hardest thing was, you know, they had asked Molly to be the bachelorette. And they told me that they're like, so if you want this shot with Molly, either you do it with us this way, or she's gone forever. And I'm like, Oh, God, what do I do? Oh, now? Wow. I'm, like, what do I, I'm like, what do I do? Right? I'm like, can I just call her? They're like, nope, <laughs> you can't call her because like we'll sue you. I'm like, oh well. Like, uh, oh, I'm hmm. gonna go. To, I'm gonna go be hated, I guess. <laughs> My God, that's like I listen. I'm a big romance novel reader. That's like a a modern day romance novel setup right there. They're the villains in the romance novel, setting up the big climax. Oh yay, yay them. <laughs> One thing that that I was so struck by rewatching was how sure Molly seemed as she was leaving that you were making a mistake. Um, she said it to you a couple times. She said it to production. Is that something that stuck with you later when things weren't going as well with Melissa that if Molly had been like, all right, well, good luck. Do you think you would have had a different uh, perspective on how to proceed? than if she had been like, I really think you're making a mistake and you're going to regret this. Maybe. I mean, like Molly was saying that, to, like we, we were talking about this last night as I was getting made fun of all night long. Um, <laughs> that Molly was like, see, I, like, I, knew, I knew it was going to happen. But I also said, like, the runner-up always says that. <laughs> like, and, I, and, I, and like nothing against, like, there, there was, Molly was right in a lot of ways, but the runner up is always like, you know, it should have been me. Like you messed up. <laughs> I, I mean, I was she thinking that when I got happened to be correct about it. Yeah, she would say she's right about most things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, you're probably right in some respects. I probably, you know, as, cause Melissa and I, I, again, it's a long time ago. It was probably six or eight weeks, six, seven weeks or something like that where we would, you know, they fly you in to LA and they put you up in a house together, just the two of you for as long as you want. You can go there for, I obviously, my, my situation was different because it's my son. So I couldn't go there forever. So I'd go for a couple days or a weekend and we'd get together most weekends. And it just that time, just, I, I mean, we both knew it. And my biggest mistake, and I think I said this yesterday was at the end of it, when I said it, she knew it wasn't working out between us. And the biggest thing she had asked me was, is it because of Molly? And I never said yes. And I should have said yes. You know, and it's just, uh, it's just chicken. You know, the producers are in my ear saying, don't tell her anything because we need the audience to feel sorry for her. So we can ask her to be the bachelorette because you're taking Molly away if she says yes. So, I mean, I was just, I don't know. I Like you start believing all the stuff around you when, what I learned through that experience is we know what's right or wrong inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a move they ended up actually pulling off successfully with Ari and Becca, like subjecting her to this brutal on camera breakup oh. in order to set her up as, as the bachelorette. Yeah. I mean, um, much, so much they didn't, more they brutal. didn't learn a lesson. Yeah. yeah. Much more brutal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, ours wasn't as brutal. I think. Well, at least it was older. It was, it yeah. was not an HD HD. It was a kind of fuzzy. 
Yeah. And it was, it was more like, you know, there was a sound stage. She knew something was going to be spoken about. Like instead of Becca was like ambushed in the bushes yeah. by a camera crew, like <laughs> at the happy couple weekend, yeah. like surprise oh, here's 60 unedited minutes of your breakup. Oh yeah. God. It's not like a pretty wedding video, is it? Jeez. No. Yeah. They keep innovating. Uh, <laughs> bachelor never ends. Hey. Um, so before we let you go, um, we did get a check-in on the show last night, but what are you and Molly up to now? How are things? Uh, we're really good. Um, she has been in radio, like a local radio host, but, um, she's going to be joining me. So I'm a real estate agent. So I, and it's crazy here in Seattle. And so she's going to be joining me most likely to help me, you know, in the Seattle market. Um, our, my son, Ty, is 56'2", muscular, smelly, teenager. Um, but he's doing great. He spends his time working out in the garage, this COVID world, and um, playing a lot of video games. Our daughter, Riley's seven, um, and super cute and sweet and spicy, just like her mom. Aww. So, But we're really good. I mean, we can't, like, through this, we can't complain about, and we've got nothing to complain about at all. That's so nice to hear. Um, and we have to ask, did uh, Sophia end up reaching out to Ty <laughs> on social media? I asked him people that, need to know. <laughs> I asked him that last night and he's like, yeah, she did reach out to me, but he's like, wouldn't it be weird if I got to, but she also, she lives way farther away. Right. I think, yeah. Uh, are they in Alabama or something? I don't <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Not exactly close to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think that, that date, um, years ago with her daughter, Ty was supposed to be there. Like it was supposed to be like all of us and our kids and everything. And uh, Ty's mom didn't want him to be a part of that one. So, you know, I, I listened to her wishes, but it was supposed to be a really cool kind of daddy daughter double date type thing. Yeah. Well, daddy, son, who knows? Mom and daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always zoom. So, you know, yeah, totally. these days, even as far away as Seattle and Alabama, people can, people can finally meet. Um, yeah but we wish all of you guys the best and thank you so much for taking the time to revisit this with us. We know it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, um, and people are asking like, it's, it's hard, sometimes it's hard to actually remember all the details. I can't remember. I barely yesterday. remember last year, let alone. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. we really appreciate it. We think it's always so interesting to talk to people. You know, you have a, a good amount of healthy perspective on the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. Time, time goes by. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jason. We appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. Anytime. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Jason Mesnick and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emily D. Rose. We'll be back soon to recap the next episode of The Bachelor, The Greatest Seasons Ever.
Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.